0: How can we go about choosing the right therapist?
1: Mmm, ooh, it's juicy. So you've got your psychologist. You've got your psychiatrist, you've got your therapist, you've got your counselor. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and they all do different things. Like, what can they do to create a healthy environment? What
1: my non-therapist asked. baby <laughs> people. In order for your mental health to be good, your physical health has to be good. There's no trade-off. Mm. I laugh now when people say, you know, I want all my own business. And I was like, if y'all really knew why it was. Mm. And I think the biggest mistake we took the word mental health and turned it into mental illness.
0: This information sounds like it should be an everyday thing like mm-hmm. where is it what are the things we can practice to be successful in a healthy way
1: Hmm. so that's a big question
0: do you think we are still affected by the pandemic and we are just trying to act normal
1: shit i think we still <laughs> impacted by slavery and we're trying to act oh normal.
0: That- <laughs> Welcome to Gents from Friends. This is where we have conversations with creators, entrepreneurs, young professionals, collecting stories of brands and people. Hopefully we can motivate and inspire and maybe even ignite the fire for others to start their own projects. I hope you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. So the person I have in front of me today is a therapist. Um, I met her couple of years ago and I saw her once and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but when I went to her, she was able to unravel everything that was going on with me. And it brought me to the to, to a point to say, it's almost like our past sometimes is stuck to our shoe like mud mm-hmm. and we walk around and just carry it everywhere we go and just make a mess mm-hmm. without even being aware. Yep. And when you did that exercise with me, it showed me that that is what was happening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that there were things in my past that I didn't even I don't even think about. It's not in the front part of my mind. I don't remember it like that. But however, it affected how I would work now or my relationships or how I see myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was very, very powerful. So I just want to give you your flowers for that, um, for just doing all that in one go, one session. And I want you to tell people who are you and what do you do?
1: Hmm. So thank you for that, Matthew. Um, So I'm Dr. J. A lot of people know me as Dr. JC. Um, But I tell people my legal name is Janelle Chase Mears. It's just when I got married, I realized it took... To sign Chase Mears was too long, (laughs) so (laughs) Dr. J is so much easier. But I'm a mental health consultant, as you said. I'm a therapist as well, too. And I have been in this field for the past 20 plus years.
0: 20 years. 20 20 years. That's a long
1: time. Got my master's and began my master's in 2003. Wow. Yeah. So it's twenty plus years I've been doing this. I know I look young, and I will stay looking like this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but you now you should know what you're doing because it's twenty plus yes, years, right? So you can trust. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. And
1: I trust myself, right? Um, yeah. I think it's been an evolution. So I am a mental health consultant and have started to go into the realm of coaching and actually developing my own theoretical assumptions in psychology, and I call it reengineering.
0: Right, are we engineering
1: okay. you? And it, it's really an integrated approach to how we take care of ourselves. And we look at our mental, physical, our spiritual, our personal growth and our community. And I think those are the things that really bring up wellness in an individual. Okay. And so over the last 20 years, I've been doing a lot of studying, a lot of research. So I have a dissertation um, when I got my PhD in 2021. That's how movement, physical activity, and play influences the interpersonal relationships of Caribbean. Can you say
0: that again, please? Bring that back again.
1: (laughs) So how movement, physical activity, and play influences the interpersonal relationships and mental health in Caribbean mothers. Okay. Yeah.
0: It sounds like we need a whiteboard session for that. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) So um, I'm really curious about how, how we use the vision of our life. And then I was listening to somebody yesterday and talked about hope brings effort. The more effort you get comes from the hope you're seeing. And that's more in the movement component. Okay. Right. Okay. And the physical activity you have in order for your mental health to be good, your physical health has to be good. There's no trade off. Yeah. It comes it goes hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And then play. How creative are we as human beings, right? That's so important for our interpersonal interactions because the individuals that we are around determine how well we would be as well. Mm-hmm. And then also just the concept of improving your mental health because I see mental health as a direct correlation or you could interchange it with brain health, really. Mm-hmm. And the more you teach people about how they can help their brains to perform better, the better their mental health becomes.
0: Yeah, because I think we focus a lot on appearance, mm-hmm. our bodies, or anything else, else outside of us, but we never really think about our brain mm-hmm. health. Yep. Like, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I think that um, that's something that we gotta bring to the focus a lot more. Another reason I brought you here today is because the guests that I had here so far, they're creatives, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, ambitious people, you know, and I, I find that in a lot of our conversations, mental health will come up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they go through some kind of suffering. Yeah. Do you think that because of th- their lifestyle that there could be ignoring or damaging their brain health because of the constant being on the grain, you know, the go-getter kind of thing?
1: Absolutely. And I'll just start with two brief things that it damages, their sleep and their nutrition. Okay. And once your sleep is bad, your mental health is going to be challenged. And mm-hmm. if we were to use brain health and mental health interchangeably, every time you lose sleep, you lack the ability for your body to actually recover mm-hmm. and for your thoughts to disappear that the thoughts that are not healthy to dissolve in your glymphatic system. So there's a lymphatic system that takes all the waste out of your body. And the glymphatic system is the one in the brain. So when you don't sleep, you will become, you'll continue to ruminate on the thoughts that were unhealthy. You'll play over the day and it needs to be cleansed. So when you don't sleep, it is not cleansed. So that's why people can wake up with the same stagnant thought that they had before because they didn't sleep.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So and it's then, like you go to like you you don't sleep, so you're walking around with the same garbage in your head absolutely. the next day.
1: Yep. Wow. And creatives do that, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: All nighters. Yeah. Forty eight yeah. hours. Oh, I have one hour of sleep. But that's why you can't approach the situation any different. So your brain isn't as rested as it needs to be in order for you to continue the creative process. Mm-hmm. And then nutrition, gut health. If you think about it, a, a hungry man is a angry, angry man. man. Yeah. And so when we don't feed our bodies and we don't feed our minds with the right things, right, inclusive of food and energies around us, it could directly impact the way you make decisions, the way you problem solve, the way you information process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, conquerors and cheese, cheesies have a completely different output than yeah. apples and bananas. You know, yeah, it's yeah. two different two different things, right? So yeah.
0: So when you're about to take on like a really big project mm-hmm. or you have like a really important day, you should really factor in, look, let me get some sleep. Because everyone prepare in different ways. Mm-hmm. Or they don't prepare at all. Yeah. Right. So you would say if you have like a big day ahead, you should always have sleep as a priority.
1: Absolutely that that's the thing that will help you regenerate thoughts but that's also the thing that's going to allow you to operate less flustered because a lot of people when they don't sleep are irritable you know and i hear this a lot you know people say oh well i'm not a morning person so you know when you wake up in the morning and outside nice and bright and like the blinds that's actually impacting your ability to sleep as well too Mm -hmm. So because we actually make the sleep hormone in the morning. Right. So when you're pulling all nighters and you don't get adequate rest and you don't wake up in the morning, the capacity for you to go back to sleep at the proper time is going to be diminished. Wow. Yeah. So even bringing up sleep pressure, sleep pressures build build up throughout the day. So think about kids, right? When kids wake up early in the morning, when you first get them suckers, right? And they are going, 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 going. By 7 o'clock, they're tired. And you could get them a bath and they could go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if they wake up in the middle of the night and they start to play and too active and they don't get bad to sleep at 3 and they sleep to about 10, then you realize, well, they're not going to sleep any night. And it's like it throws off the whole system. Yeah. But sunlight actually produces the opportunity for us to go to sleep better at night.
0: This information sounds like it should be an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. Like, where is it? <laughs> Why where is, where is this not in, like, in school or in our earlier life? Like,
1: I think it's there, but we, we're teaching it as education and we're not teaching it as a life skill. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest mistake that has been made over the last 20 to 30 years is we took the word mental health and turned it into mental illness mm-hmm. and made it a very interchangeable experience. So when somebody says the word mental health, they're not thinking about sleep, they're not thinking about nutrition they're not thinking about information processing they're not thinking about making good cognitive decisions they're not thinking about prefrontal cortex N- nothing of like that they're thinking about depression anxiety all of these other things and right. so what do we do we go in schools and we teach people about depression
0: right the extreme yeah. stuff yeah. we teach
1: people about anxiety and the mm. danger in that is that you're not teaching people solutions
0: just making them aware
1: you're making them aware but then you're not saying well this ha- if you don't do this this is going to happen right and i think for me um children learn biology you're in school we we we, we learn biology we don't like it
0: i went to school not yeah. for long but yeah, well, yeah we <laughs> did
1: not like it but really and truly what is the basis of all health biology mm-hmm. like it's how but when children are small what do we teach them This is your eyes, this is your nose, this is your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't say this is your brain and it has four lobes, you know, and Mm -hmm. they will get it. If you could get nostrils, you could get cerebellum. Like, ain't that far apart. But again, when we don't think that those things are important, those things are just educational points, then you kind of lose the importance of it. But it's there, the information is there, it's not new information.
0: So my community is business leaders, Mm -hmm. creatives, young professionals and stuff like that. What can they start practicing? What they can do to start bringing it into their lifestyle and to know Mm -hmm. how to prioritize it because they don't. Like we would think about all the aesthetic stuff. We would think about financial stuff. We would think about just being successful. What are the things we can practice to be successful in a healthy way?
1: hmm so that's a big question so i'll break it down into parts first thing is always what's your vision for good mental health right i think most people have a vision for their business they have a vision for their relationship they may even have a vision for their families some Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't have a vision for their mental health and their well-being And I think sometimes we have to stop for a second and think, you know, what is it that you want to be able to do to make better decisions, to think clearer, right? What is it that you want to do that allows you to process emotions better, right? And I think once we start to think about what's our greater vision for our mental health and our well-being, what ends up happening is that you'll do the things according to that. So if you know that when you don't sleep, You get very irritable and you get very confused in making decisions so there's something called decision fatigue and that happens as a result of you actually being tired Mm -hmm. right and if you you make the connection between the vision and the behaviors then it's easier for you to shut off some of the things i call them non-negotiables so sleep for me is non-negotiable i'm not going to be able to do well in teaching, in coaching, in consulting, if I'm operating off of three hours of sleep. Just doesn't work. And then on the flip side is, you're rarely giving somebody the best you if you don't have a vision for good mental health.
0: Correct. Yeah. So you're, you want to be as impactful as possible. So yeah. you have to like pour into yourself and make sure you're healthy and you're the your best self that you can Absolutely. be when you're approaching situations. Yeah. How can we go about choosing the right therapist?
1: Mmm, ooh. It's juicy. <laughs> See what <her> happened was. <laughs> All right, so let's unpack the word "therapy," because I think sometimes we hear that word and we just think that that's one stagnant thing. So in the mental health field, there are so many other mental health providers that can help you. So I'll break down some of the very popular ones. So you've got your psychologist, you've got your psychiatrist, you've got your therapist, you've got your counselor. You know, so you got, yeah.
0: And they all do different things?
1: And they all can do different things and they all can do the same thing except prescribe medication. So okay. the psychiatrist is the granddaddy of it all. And that person can provide counseling, that person can provide medication, and that person mm. does diagnosis. Okay. Your psychologist, if we were to do a grade, they could be the ones that fall. Underneath that. And they could do some um, diagnosis, but they don't do prescriptions.
0: Right. They can't give drugs.
1: No, they can't give drugs. Okay. General practitioners, though, can give drugs, but do not have the psychiatric training.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay. So
1: now you got a thing where people could say, like, I feel like if I can't sleep well, or I feel like going through depression, and they, they can't prescribe. And that could be also problematic as well, too. But I, I like to ask people to break it down into... Who's going to help you is understanding one, if the person is qualified, right? Do they have the necessary education or background? And it changes because there's also a somatic therapist. There are also movement therapists. There are so many different variations now that you have to one, educate yourself as to what is the type of person that you want. Are they a goodness and fit in terms of gender that also becomes important in, case, in terms of age right at my age i want an old sage on the stage wisdom truth-telling therapist who's you know who ain't divorced and and trying to figure out all that stuff no but these things are really serious because sometimes people go to the wrong person
0: so you want someone that can relate and understand They understand the culture they understand how you came up Everything.
1: Absolutely, and then the philosophical assumptions because people are trained under certain assumptions. So you may have a linear. So my uh, master's is in marriage and family therapy, so hence my entitled becomes a therapist, but I'm systems trained versus a psychologist who might have to take a systems course after they become a psychologist to be systems trained. Right Got it So yeah. I think
0: for the listeners yeah. And your watchers We can go put it Some, yeah. some diagrams Yeah,
1: yeah. So <laughs> but But there are elements So you have to Also know If the individuals Also share some values Some theoretical assumptions That you may also understand Right So I teach So I know I get into the teaching mode I actually teach History of psychology okay, As well Okay let me go And so There What people don't understand Is that Therapy are, um, are frameworks. So there are people that's why I said that I'm, I'm trying to establish a framework called reengineering, right? Throughout the years, people have found a framework, or experimented on a framework, and then said, "Ooh, this feels good." So we, maybe we should call this um, social psychology. And then somebody else comes along and said, oh, no, this sounds good. Maybe we should call it psychoanalysis. Most people know about Freud. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else comes along and says, you know, maybe we should call this Adlerian therapy. So throughout the years, there's so many different levels of therapy. And you kind of have to, you can ask questions, you know, what, what perspective, what framework do you actually engage in? So systems is I'm going to look at the entire system. And linear, the person may just be treating the individual. And because I teach younger therapists, a younger psychologist love to be eclectic, right? And meaning that they pull all the theories from everybody. And any of my students, so there were no. I'd be like, y'all need to stop this. I need y'all to. Find two and go down the rabbit hole and learn why this person chose this.
0: Right, and go deep.
1: And go a little bit deeper. Instead of going wide. Yes. And and so sometimes when you go to a therapist that's very new, or a psychologist that's very new, or a helper, I like to use the language helper that's very new, they may not be as experienced to pinpoint certain things because they're not as worldly and they really haven't taken the time to learn. And I always tell people this because I teach. So I sit on a lot of ends. I can see it from so many different ways. The younger person is also coming out a lot more stressed because most people in the psychology world and social work, work world come into that educational system broken. They're the ones trying to fix their families and the mess that's going on with their families. Right. And so then they come to school, and when they come into school, they're stressed because then they got all these papers to finish, all of these new ideas that's to learn.
0: So interesting. So who heals the healers?
1: Ah, And that's where I go into the <laughs> consultancy. That's one of the things that I'm very curious in, in my latter years in the career is to provide not only therapy, but coaching and ma- mentoring to individuals who are helping individuals. So when you choose you, you know, you playing with your life and death situation now, you got to be real serious, you know, and this is not a dig at anybody that's out there. But these are factors that we don't consider in terms of getting better processes and results, because as I tell my students all the time, there are no stuck clients, only stuck therapists. You are supposed to be an effective tacticianer. You know, Ooh, I get it done. <laughs> right. You know, I tell them that all the time. Don't tell me what well, this person won't get better. Of course, if not, they wouldn't be coming to you. Right. But do you have the skill set? Do you have the experience? Do you have the awareness to go get somebody else to help you with this? You know, so you can help this person because anytime somebody steps into your space, they are trying to find a solution. That's just the reality of it. Wow. Yeah.
0: This is heavy. It's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I'm trying try <laughs> all. Of, you yeah. get more than one gem. Yeah. Gems from the beginning, yeah. um, but I just want to bring it back mm-hmm. down to the community that yeah. I have right now. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted to express how important it is because everyone have an accountant. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a yep. financial advisor. They have s- different types of staff members mm-hmm. in different departments. But you think that people should always have like a therapist at the top of the list as well.
1: Yes. And if not the word therapist, a helping professional.
0: A helping professional. Professional. Yeah.
1: Because sometimes we have certain things happening in our stages of life. So you may be a creative and recently married, new child, and you start to realize that your relationship is getting sticky. And you may not need to go to a therapist as an individual person, because most people, when they hear therapist, they think about that, you know, just an individual. You might need to go to a couple's therapist because at this point in your life, the marriage and parenting looks a little sticky, right? Or you may be a creative or an individual who is um, a little bit on the older side, right? And had a lot more defeat in your business and you're just not getting this done. Like Mm -hmm. you really need some level of support. And it may be a time for you to go and look for a life coach where you're getting transitional information passed on. So
0: that's another title now.
1: Yes. And what's going to happen in the next three years, you're going to see a lot of helping professionals are going to attach coaching onto their their um, mm-hmm. repertoire of work. Right. It makes sense because we're not as old age in terms of mental health work as we were before. Like you're really sick and something's wrong. Cause even the language, like you want to reduce stigma. I said stigma has been reduced for years. You and I having a conversation. If stigma existed at the level that it was when we first had that conversation about stigma, we wouldn't be sitting here. For sure. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of people, you know, we have to start looking at their levels of helping professionals. You know, somebody might need to go to a chiropractor because, you know, they can't walk properly. And that's why they're always in pain. And that's why they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And they actually need to go and get some type of alignment to actually start having better blood flow so it could go to the brain and they could think better. You know.
0: Right. The, right. right. The, <laughs> Sorry, you're just causing me to think a lot because I was thinking about the creators as well. Mm-hmm. where. They They have to tap into their emotions mm-hmm. a lot to, it's almost like they're a superpower. Yeah. So they tap into that to draw the energy to create.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But because they're in that, they're always feeling, they're, they feel deeply.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: do you think about it? You, you do, what do you agree, first of all?
1: I think it's a yes and no. I think because sometimes we confuse being emotional with being numb. Okay. And I think sometimes people who are in the creative space because they're not eating properly, because they're not sleeping properly, are actually numb. Right. Like they're just like, uh, like it's too much or like it's it's not as emotional regulated as you as when I hear you ask the question mm-hmm. because they don't always know what's going on. They get overwhelmed very quickly. You know, it's, this is too much. Like, when you're in true emotional regulation, you ain't gonna say it's too much. You can be like, okay, look, yeah, this a lot on my plate, but what do I need to do to shift? So I think sometimes people are numb and their emotions may take over and they feel like if they need to op- always operate here, until they look back and they they see themselves on camera like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was behaving like that. Like, why nobody tell me, right? Yeah. So and they're just they're they're just not aware of it. Okay. So so I think yes, the emotionality um is involved, but I think sometimes we're we're just like robotic.
0: All right, so let me spin it from another angle then. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing where creators have to also be business people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we tend to get into this habit where we have to take the E off of emotion and mm-hmm. just move, keep mm-hmm. motion. Yeah. And don't take business personal.
1: Okay.
0: And creators have a hard time doing that okay, because yeah. they're, they're always feeling. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how to separate. And sometimes they don't even like to talk about the business. Yeah. They don't like to talk mm-hmm. about figures. They just want to... Yeah be in a creative space. Mm -hmm. But then business can be very rough and and cut dry kind of thing. And then they start to spiral in that environment. Yeah. How can we balance and regulate that?
1: So I'll take the words that you said and then ask creatives to then learn about being professional. Okay. And maybe investing in some leadership and learning about businesses and learning about marketing and learning about branding. And if you can't do that, bring somebody in that knows how to do that. Or hire, like you said, get an accountant. I think because once you get into business, you're playing in in a different field. Once you're trying to make money from it or you're trying to create impact from it, do you have the skills to do that? Like I have a business that has about 14 people and I don't do everything. Right. You know, I have an online business manager. I have a coaching manager who manages my coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, like even though I could do some of those things, I'm not as skilled. I Mm -hmm. have a tech person. Right. I've outsourced some of those things. One, to take pressure off of me. And two, to give people who are greater at those skills an opportunity to work in my vision. Mm -hmm. And I think One of the things that I've experienced in working with creatives is that they feel they can do bad by themselves. And that's always my answer. You're absolutely right. You will do bad by yourself. But if we maybe diversified it and gave other people the responsibilities of it, you could stand a better chance Mm -hmm. of, you know, still adding that motion Adding some E and understanding that, yeah, okay, and, and that's why I go back to that earlier point. Like when you learn to regulate your emotions, you learn what to take off of the plate. Mm-hmm. And you recognize that this doesn't serve my genius in this space right now, but that other person complements it. And so therefore, because that other person can complement it, I can give way to that individual helping me build my vision.
0: Got it. Yeah. So delegating contributes to your mental health.
1: Oh, yes. Health. What? So that's important. Absolutely. In it, any field. I don't care where you are because we're we not supermen and superwomen, you know?
0: Some people will look and say, okay, I don't have the money to pay this person uh-huh. or to pay these people to delegate. So uh-huh. let me try to do everything myself. But I think you actually you're not making as much as you can or you're not being yeah. as impactful as you can be. So part of the investment is into invest into other people yeah. to help you build your dream.
1: Yeah. And money isn't always why people join you. Right. Sometimes people join you because internship is an opportunity to work with you. Mentorship an opportunity for you to show leadership and guide somebody else. Um so I think sometimes individuals fear that step because we think we have to you know we have to financially create to make sure this things work but what i've learned on my journey there's so many people who want to operate in their genius as well that will work with you and it doesn't have to come with a paycheck mm-hmm. and creators are like you know this like creators other people are like come I'm working on this project you should jump on and, you know, and the other person's, i work when you work. And the only thing is that I'll ask people is to have good boundaries. Now you gotta know the difference between when you helping out somebody or you doing all the work for somebody, like yeah. you have to learn that. Mm-hmm. But I think we have enough resources to actually be supported. Mm-hmm. And if it's five creatives, maybe you get one person that's in branding and marketing and it's five of y'all that pay that one person, you know, and that person's assured that they have money and, they, you know, they get in support. Yeah. Maybe just got to diversify it. Like this doing bad by yourself, like you literally speaking it into being. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of businesses that will put a lot of effort into aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Again, I keep saying that word, but it's, I, I really mean it. Mm-hmm. Like they think branding yeah. is just how it looks, but it's also how it feels. Absolutely. And what contributes to how it feels mm-hmm is who's on your team Mm -hmm. and how you communicate and customer service and all Mm -hmm. these things. What do you would say to a company that hires people? Like what can they do to create a healthy environment that will contribute into the brand they're really trying to create?
1: You want my non-therapist answer? (laughs) Pay the people. (laughs) Um, No, (laughs) but seriously. I think one of the things is that we've taken human away from the word customer service and people who serve people have to be human Mm -hmm. and people who serve people have to be treated like humans and they have to feel like if they're appreciated. Um, And I think sometimes when we're asking people to level up a service, we have to look at, you know, how are we treating these people? Before they level up a surface, right, you know, and if you, as an employer or somebody who's leading, actually not as kind and not as arrested, you know, and you trying to train people and they see or feel the hypocrisy of the way you treat them, and then the expectation is that they treat you treat the people that come in better, uh, that's a hard sell, right? And I think sometimes we're not congruent with our messaging to people, mm-hmm. you know, and what we expect behind the scenes with people as well So we we two face sometimes. Okay. okay. And so you you could I remember there was a particular company that came here when they started, and um, customer service has always remained. But you could tell there's a lot of training, but it's also how the people around each other treat each other, mm-hmm. and that's why they remain very good in good customer care. But I think sometimes we've taken the humanness out of people's responsibility and think that people are robots and that people um, can just get up and smile and enjoy everybody coming in. And because if you've ever been in customer service, And the amount of interactions that you may have with somebody and the amount of people that come in, it is not as easy as it looks. And people say, Well, if you don't want a job, you shouldn't take the job and we say stuff that people but you don't know what people's what people have been through. Right. And um you don't know how people are being treated behind the scenes when they come in and it may not be as simple. So for me is just putting back in that human element. Like you're yeah. dealing with humans. So it means that people will come with things and the patience in the training and understanding what people are going through makes a difference.
0: So, as a customer, we have to have a little bit more grace. Oh,
1: absolutely. I have a saying the customer is not always right. And if you uh, like go down the rabbit hole, if you and no, like for real, right? Um, if you go down the rabbit hole a little bit of why people use the language of customer service, it really was not designed to um kiss people's asses, right? You know. It was to provide a level of care and understanding to help. And I think what ends up happening is when you give people that message, it me, it literally conditioned people to go to act a fool. Right. Whereas okay. if I step into a space, the way I'm going to respond to somebody is, sweet girl, you're good today? What happened You face face upset? Like I'll meet people where I see their emotions, mm-hmm. you know? And from there, then we have a way better rapport.
0: So we all need emotional training.
1: Absolutely. Emotional Emotional regulation. I don't like emotional intelligence. Okay. And here's why I don't like it. Intelligence comes, there's so many things. You know, there's relational intelligence, there's spatial intelligence. There are over 16 intelligences. There's a lot of work that has been done. um, The Yale Center of Intelligence, emotional intelligence. But they have brought it out so many things. So there's something they call the ruler. Where you can recognize emotion, understand emotion, label emotion, emotionally regulate. You following me? Yeah. <laughs> and respond. Right. Reflect on emotion. And so when you hear the word emotion intelligent, and I, I'll tell you this, I don't like buzzwords that get into the media, because then it dumb's down all the research outside of it, and one person grabs it, and then everybody like everybody got to be emotionally intelligent. But what does that really mean when you hear the word, you know, emotionally intelligent? So I think we have to break it down a little bit more. We need to teach people how to regulate, how to understand, how to label, how to express. You know, we're not doing that. Right. You know, right. we're not doing that. And so, but we can do that from any age. Okay. Yeah. You know?
0: It brings me to this question. Do you think we are still affected by the pandemic and we are just trying to? normal
1: shit i think we still impacted (laughs) by slavery and we trying to act i wasn't
0: expecting (laughs) yeah
1: like (laughs) pandemic happens to be one thing oh man but (laughs) we in the caribbean we also impacted by climate we don't talk about climate change or climate or hurricanes and how that impacts our mental health and well-being So yeah, pandemic is but one thing. I think pandemic is just a straw that brought the camel's back or created opportunity for people to get up. Yeah, I don't think the pandemic was just like oh my gosh, like. But yeah, we ain't even unpacking slavery and how slavery. I tell people all the time, at no point in time when slavery ended. Did anybody say, yo, our slaves, you gain therapy, you gain therapy, you gain therapy, or slave masters, oh, you gain therapy, you gain therapy.
0: So I guess a, this I just opened a whole can <laughs> of worms and we can go can do another episode yes. just for that. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, so let me, we come back up and then yeah. we're not going down a rabbit hole yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we witness a person, mental health is declining
1: mm-hmm.
0: online
1: mm.
0: through their posts. You as their friend, how should we respond or what can we do to help?
1: All right. So that's a very interesting topic. Now, online communication is a very interesting thing because I don't think it's true communication. So I nerd out a little bit.
0: Oh, you weren't nerding out before? No.
1: <laughs> okay. So in systems and communication theory there's a sender there's a receiver there's feedback then there is feedback to the receiver and then to the sender so it's always two people right Mm -hmm. and when we are watching something online that is an interpretation of your perception of somebody's challenge got it okay yeah Mm-hmm. And so when we have online communication, it's not really true communication because there's just a sender and a receiver, but no true feedback. If we talk about three dimensional now, they say the same way how you breathe and like, shit, you Janelle doing with this here? You know, like <laughs> I can read that, but online you can't read that. Because unless you know shade, you know how people like put that and you know what that means, you're actually inferring that in your brain. So a lot of us are responding to things that we don't know are true. So I run an experiment in one of my classes, in my developmental psychology classes, where I give my students each other's phones. And then I ask them to respond to the person that texts them. So it's another person responding to somebody else's text, and then I ask them to continue the conversation for five minutes. Wow And then they're like, "Oh, Dr. J, with this person acting like, "If this is me," I said, exactly." And so you don't ever know who's behind the screen mm-hmm. communicating. Mm-hmm. So let's put that aside and assume that you do know who's behind the screen. And it's your friend that's posting some stuff. I think what we have to start doing is to add a little bit more three-dimensional conversations, start picking up the phone, start sending voice notes, so we can start really recognizing when you ask somebody if they're okay. How many times have you done that, if you Where somebody asks you, yo, future, you good? But yeah, I good. That time you like worse. Mm-hmm. Like we're quick to be like, I'm okay, I right? Yeah, I good. So, I think adding a three dimensional aspect, a voice, a face, starts to tell you how real that message could be. Mm -hmm. But I think that has to happen even before the person posts because a lot of us have confused checking in online with checking in in real time.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: I could be busy and still checking on you and still not be true to what it is that I'm stating. Yeah. Right. And I think so, we have to, again, my word would be human. Start really humanizing that experience with somebody. So, if you see a post that looks funny, it may not be time to wait. It may be a time to pull up and be like, yo, what's going on? And if they'll be like, no, 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 it wasn't nothing like that, at least you have information in front of you. Um, Sometimes we wait really long and say, oh my gosh, we'll message somebody else, you see what our body posts, rather than picking up the phone and saying, Hey, notice your post. That's not really how you usually talk. What's going on? Like, yeah. But I think we have to have a human connection. When we don't have a human connection, it's so easy for people to post stuff and things happen to them. You know.
0: I had mixed feelings about checking in because Mm. I'm always like, okay, it's fine to check in, but are you equipped to check in?
1: Ooh, you need a thing, (laughs) whatever that thing is. Yeah. All right. Are you equipped to check in? So let's start there. I think sometimes just a human presence is enough. Okay. Everybody does not need to be a therapist. Everybody needs to have therapeutic skills and awareness of how to communicate with people and have better relationships with people. You
0: need to say that again in all
1: caps. (laughs) Everybody needs to have a level of communication and relationship skills but everybody does not need to be a therapist. Everybody cannot handle everybody's traumas or everybody doesn't know how to go vision. And I think for a lot of us, when we're engaging with people, we're so scared that we we have to go and fix our friends. Sometimes you just need to be a friend. You need to be present with the person. You don't need to fix what's going on with the person. Sometimes having company, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you live by yourself, things like washing dishes and cooking food, you don't really enjoy them things that much. Mm-hmm. But if by any chance a friend passes by, all of a sudden you chef boy or the hey, you want something to eat? You start cleaning up the dishes and that sort of right. stuff. The company alone drives more effort.
0: Because mm-hmm. we're made for community.
1: Absolutely. We're social creatures. Right. But we're not taught to be good social creatures.
0: This is good. This is good. <laughs> I'm sorry that we're to go, go soon, but let me see. <laughs> I, I can start to wrap up in a bit, but mm-hmm. I just want to touch on a few things. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion about like information on the internet right now? I feel like there's an overload mm-hmm. and I don't think people are aware on what like scrolling can actually do to your brain Mm -hmm. in a chemical way
1: yeah dopamine it releases way more dopamine which is your pleasure hormone and Mm -hmm. if every time you scroll it's like a drug so every time you scroll it's like center's hit and then it's searching for more and it hits again and it never gets satisfied so guess what we have to scroll the entire time so it's really problematic gaming um IG, different uses, like it's too much. Mm-hmm. And we we were not designed to have dopamine released like that all the time mm-hmm. to the point when it actually becomes ineffective. So actually being in public, you see it all the time people, everybody on their phone and nobody's actually enjoying themselves. Yeah. They take a picture. I was here that time, you know, all the time, eight of them was just on their phone talking yeah. to somebody else. Who's not in They're the space. They were actually somewhere else. They were not where their feet were. Bringing, you know, and that's my favorite thing. Be where your feet are. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in terms of when we're asking people to engage a little differently with scrolling and the internet and information, what we have to do is really ask people what's their vision of the information they want to get. Mm-hmm. If you say, well, I want to learn more about my physical health. Okay, what about your physical health you want to learn? I want to learn about my kidneys. I want to learn about how my liver works, how my kidneys and my lungs need to be in a detoxification stage in order for my body to get good um, blood flow. Now, if that person is interested in that, then who do you go to? All right, so who are the experts or who are the people who are sharing this information? I'm very, I go down rabbit holes often. I'm big on getting researchers and listening to podcasts with people who have done this work for 20, 30, 40 years and start to show, you know, what their results, the efficacy of the things that they're doing. So I think having that vision, that strong vision of, okay, this is what I'm learning and then going around and then checks and balances. So my personal way of doing it is that I'll watch somebody three to four months with the information that they're sharing. So if they have information, I'll, I'll look at the, the um, YouTube videos that they have posted. I might go and look at articles that they're doing and eventually, I'll see if there are other people's podcasts, and eventually, okay, this person has been saying this thing consistently for the past five years, 10 years. And I think we have to start addressing information age like that mm-hmm. because the information is there for a reason. Right. This is no different than a doctor who goes to school and the information is a book and there are several books that probably say the same thing and you just go down the rabbit, rabbit hole, hole making sure. Sure, so I don't think a lot of us, you, you know, you think you said, you gave a joke about school, that you didn't go to school long, but you are in the school of life because there's so many things that you're, you're interested in that you're learning and I think we have to start creating that shift for people that, you know, the internet is a faster way to learn, but you also have to start choosing wisely who you're going to learn from so i have a rule of thumb especially with people who are online i'd like who is your audience yeah you yeah. know and who are your influencers
0: so i personally had to start doing that mm-hmm. i had to intentionally cleanse my feed
1: yes often
0: I, and i'm like yes everything is good information but however good information just flowing and just going back out because nothing yeah. is sticking because it's just a lot yeah. So, I need something to stick, so you just have to slow it down a bit. Yeah. So, what's happened is that information went from being like a low drop in your bucket mm-hmm. to no being like a fire hose. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Try, put, try
0: catching water with the tap to all. Yeah. To all. Not
1: gonna work. You can get blown away. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So, cleansing your feed and s- keeping it simple. Yeah.
1: So, I have like three things that I follow for like three months, but that's very close to my vision. Right. And then, once something new comes in, or I'm in my next quarter, I'll then cleanse out that feed and add.
0: So, we got to stay locked in and intentional. Yes. If this is what we're on, if this is your vision, mm-hmm. like stay focused on that and don't get sidetracked and then go down all these different rabbit holes.
1: Absolutely. So, um,
0: the key is to pick a few things. i say about
1: three or four things. Go
0: deep. Yeah. Not wide. <laughs> just go deep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, my last thing. Um, I think this is important for the creators and the entrepreneurs, the new business people and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. They sometimes um, would get discouraged when they're now starting or no beginning or if they're now launching a project, right? Mm -hmm. And because when they post, it doesn't get the traction that Mm -hmm. they want it to get. And then does that affect their mental too as well? And what can they do to feel a little better or not be affected so much by that
1: all right that's twofold so one we're talking about that dopamine right so if you don't get likes because people like i don't do it for likes yes you do if you're affected by the fact that only four people saw your post um so i think one is recognizing do you have a problem with you know the attention i get any likes and two i think That's where the professional part of it Like you gotta start somewhere Like legit If you're in business Not everybody will see what you're doing Nor will want what you do And for a lot of people who are in this business Love this thing called secrecy So they will work real hard behind the scenes Working on a project Post it on a Saturday When you got a big concert coming up and say, well, here, I'm doing this. And be like, what a buddy and check my posts. Well, first thing first, you didn't read the room. Like most people <laughs> are not going to be on the internet at that time. Yeah, And it may have nothing to do with you, just really poor marketing. Again, going back to, are you actually aware of the points of your business? Most of us, when we start something, and this is something that I've learned because I have a business coach and I've had a business coach for the last three years. Um, We don't know the little parts that a lot of people who are in big businesses have, but we don't understand that the people who run big conglomerates have departments Mm -hmm. of people who are reading metrics, you know, analyzing data and saying, well, ah, this doesn't work. And so like what my encouragement would be, you know, it's like what you are putting out there, are you putting out for consistency of who you are and what you're building or are you putting out to be people-pleasing? Wow. You know, <laughs> if it's about consistency in what you're building, then if two or three people have seen it, then you better ask them two or three people that seen it, what did they like about what you posted? Right. And get real-time feedback. Yeah. But if you're confusing yourself with people-pleasing, and you're like, well, only three people look at it, what I mean, like, nobody don't like me, because we could then turn these into internal dialogues. Which, by the way, are the things that we would have been taught when we were younger, when we're not good social creatures. Right. You know, right. when, when you don't go out there, we, we grew up in societies, Caribbean societies where we hear, you know, don't put your people, business out there. People can laugh at you or don't, don't share this information because everybody's telling you business. These are the, th- these are the thoughts that are infiltrating your businesses. It's not what's wow. going on out there, you know. If you come from the place where you, you are being, you know, don't keep a lot of friends, you know, or don't lend nobody your money or don't. Something as simple as don't borrow money from people. If you knew anything about business, there ain't nobody in the business world that don't have a loan. Right. <laughs> So even that concept, you know, yeah, I can rough it out and I can spend all my money. Like all of those things are the thoughts that are leading people into this concept of that they they have to be frustrated or they have to be discouraged. Mm -hmm. But do those things come in business? Absolutely. Like, and sometimes those are the things that are the catalysts to make you move better. Mm -hmm. But it's who taught you to manage, you know, discouragement? Who taught you to manage frustration? Because those are emotions that will come and can pass, they don't have to stay. But if you've been taught that those emotions have to stick around, then those are the things that are also determined the way in which you'll be successful in business.
0: Boom. Mm-hmm. So even before you start a business or start a project, you should focus on healing?
1: Healing, your mental health, um, how your bodies work, um, partnering with other people who may have better skills, business skills, yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the things that we yeah we don't tap into as entrepreneurs or as creators or people who want business. I laugh now when people say, you know, I want to own my own business. And I was like, if y'all really knew what it was to own your own business successfully, profitably, you wouldn't just say it as nonchalant as we do. Right. You would say, you know, I want to own my business and I'm willing to go and learn the skills mm-hmm. that really allow my business to thrive in a culture that it may not be as business friendly friendly Mm -hmm. because I'm doing something new and innovative.
0: What people don't really get to see is when they see a brand, they don't see like everything else that is going behind it and the machine that's behind it. So the face of the brand may not even understand marketing. I'm telling you. Or finances. Absolutely. But they understand themselves. Yeah. And that's the important part because you could always find people who are good at these other things, mm-hmm. but only you can be good at being
1: you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Got it, Jay. Thanks, man. I think the community will welcome this and be very grateful for this conversation. And thank you for coming through. And I hope you could come again.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes, we have a deeper dive
0: to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, we can go open up three more episodes. Yes. All right, that is it. So it's a wrap. Yay.